Welcome to East Texas News Roundup for the week ending October the 4th, 2019. East Texas News Roundup is a weekly review of the news in five southeast Texas counties covered by Polk County Publishing Company newspapers, including Tyler, Polk, Trinity, San Jacinto, and Houston counties by the editors of those five newspapers. Tyler County Booster Editor Chris Edwards kicks off this week's podcast. Howdy, everybody. Chris Edwards coming at you, bringing you the news and events from out here in Tyler County, taken from this week's edition of the Tyler County Booster. So fall is here, y'all. It is officially fall, and with it comes the Tyler County Fair. So if you're looking for something fun to do this weekend, go out to the fairgrounds out on 190 West and have yourself a time. If you pick up this week's edition of the Booster, we have a full schedule of all the events that are going to be going on at the fair. It's going to be a full few days of carnival rides and all kinds of prizes and good food and animals to bring to auction. So have yourselves a time and don't Don't forget to check your local news source for that schedule. Front page news this week. Lead off with a story about a man from Chester named Jared Davis who received a 25-year sentence last week. He pled guilty to a couple of robbery cases and he was actually awaiting sentencing on one from 2017 when he committed another robbery in the Colmenial area. And he was brought to trial last week and pled guilty to to the aforementioned robberies as well as possession of narcotics and several felonies and received a 25-year sentence. This is one of several uh, trials where somebody has received a pretty lengthy sentence recently here in Tyler County's courtroom and district court. Our district attorney, Lucas Babin, has said time and time again that with these cases that are drug-related with an intent to distribute, that it sends a strong message to Tyler County residents that we are nearing the end of our road with tolerating uh, methamphetamine in Tyler County. And he's looking for longer sentences for people who are caught with intending to distribute narcotics, especially methamphetamine. And so great job to the prosecutorial staff, D.A. Babin and Assistant Prosecutor Pat Hardy and the Tyler County Sheriff's Office for all their hard work and bringing these cases to trial. Moving right along, we had an update about the Noskilla Gaming Center out there to our neighbors to the west, the Alabama Cushata Tribe and the gaming center that they have on the reservation. Cheryl Downing, who is the general manager for the administration of the tribe spoke to the Woodville Rotary Club last week and gave some updates on where the House Resolution 759 was at. Now, H.R. 759 was written by our congressional representative, Brian Babin, and it made it out of Congress back in July and it's going before some uh, some different committees right now and headed to the Senate. It's experienced some roadblocks, but there's a lot of support in a bipartisan kind of way behind it. And what Miss Downing brought us up to snuff at the meeting, those of us who were there, was saying, encouraging everybody to contact their representatives in the Senate. And that's uh, John Cornyn and Ted Cruz, neither of whom yet have voiced any support for the bill. And also they were encouraging everyone to contact our governor, Greg Abbott, as well to voice support for the bill. And this is an ongoing concern. And basically, the text of the bill will protect both the Alabama Cushada tribe and the Aselta del Pueblo tribe of El Paso in keeping their Class 2 gaming operations going. With Class 2 gaming is basically allowing for electronic bingo-style games, which is what Noskilla is. You go out there and there's no table games or anything, no no craps or card games or anything like that. They look like slot machines, but they're run as bingo 
bingo games with bingo patterns. And Nasquilla is a really fun place. It's a family-friendly environment. They don't serve any alcohol or anything, and it's, it's a really cool place. I know the first time I went out there and the lady come around with the drink cart, and I was thinking about a whiskey drink. She's like, oh, we got Coke, you know. <laughs> They're encouraging everybody to contact their representatives, both state representatives as well as the offices of our senators, our two senators. And to that end, Nasquilla actually on their website have a form letter, like a boilerplate letter that you can fill in your name as a constituent and send to both of the senators voicing your support for Nasquilla and what the Alabama Cachata tribe are doing. And there's a couple of points that came up at the meeting that I think are salient about this. Basically, this is a fairness issue. And this was brought up by Yolanda Poncho, who is the head of marketing out there at Nasquilla. Now, what I mean by that is there is a third tribe in Texas who has regulated gaming on their casino. If you go down to the Valley, the Kickapoo tribe, they have a class two gaming operation and they've operated that for about 20 years. You know, the Alabama Cachata and the Celta del Sur de Pueblo have both been targeted by the government to shut their operations down. And this isn't the Alabama Cachata tribe's first rodeo either. They had a casino out there back in 1999 or 2000 thereabout, and it was shut down by the government. Hopefully this bill will pass into law and they will be protected because you look at the figures, I mean, it's hundreds of jobs added to the the, uh, workforce here in the region. A lot of Tyler County residents work out there, and of course, they employ about 70% tribal members, so that's a huge deal for them. But also, it brings in around $138 million into the economy regionally and gives back quite a bit of that. So uh, no matter where you're at with gambling, if you think of it as just something that's, you know, you don't do for whatever reasons, or if you're all for it, look at this as something that's very good for the local economy. It's a very big deal, and I think it's been said before that I think Kelly Barnes has said on this podcast before that typically there's things that that are kind of in one side of the fence or the other that within the hard news context, within the views on this podcast, we don't really kind of muddy the waters about expressing opinions on, but publisher of these newspapers of Polk County Publishing and as well as the newspapers themselves, we all stand behind our neighbors on the Alabama Kashana Reservation and what they're doing with Noskilla. So just check out what's going on with this and let your voice be heard. DETCOG, the Deep East Texas Council of Governments met last week here in Woodville. Now, DETCOG services the 12-county region, and every month they have their meeting in a different county, one of the 12 out of the region. And in September, they host their meetings in Woodville. And in the Woodville meetings, they serve steaks, so they get a pretty good turnout for those. There was one major thing that was decided at the DETCOG meeting in Woodville. They passed a draft for the 2019 administrative plan for the Regional Housing Authority program through DETCOG. And Janet Lewis, who serves as the housing director for the COG, spoke and they held a public hearing to decide on this and to discuss it. And she spoke at a pretty good length about some of the changes being made to the program. Basically, there's three points in terms of preference as to who gets housing through this program. Number one, the preference pertains to applicants who live within the jurisdiction in which they're applying for housing. Number two, priorities given to applicants who are veterans or family of veterans. And number three, priorities given to applicants who are disabled. This plan was approved with the changes, and also there was an interesting program that was given at the DETCOC meeting before the consent agenda was moved to, and Matthew Craven, who works with the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Council of Deep East Texas, spoke about the opioid crisis and how it's affected the Deep East Texas region. He outlined several steps that they're looking at as a group to tackle this program, and him and the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Council are working off of federal grant money to 
to help educate the public and try to combat this problem, which president and also uh, numerous health organizations at the federal level have called this an epidemic and said that it, it's basically the scourge of the nation. And it is. You know, you have 60,000 some odd people annually dying from opioid overdoses, and which I think the figure is around 130 some odd a day, 133 thereabout. And a lot of what Mr. Craven was saying is when they go into the rural areas that they service, a big part of the problem is education. Like you have a lot of people who may not understand the gravity of of opioids and painkillers and how they might affect a person in the long term. You might have a young man who blows his knee out in football and he's prescribed painkillers. It always seems to be a first line of defense by most physicians. And, you know, five years, 10 years down the road, he's still on painkillers and he loses his job and can't do anything because it becomes a maintenance thing. It's an addiction cycle. And Mr. Craven spoke about some examples of stories he had heard and things he had witnessed firsthand in his line of work as they pertain to opioid abuse and overdoses that have happened. And this is a very important issue that's not just affecting our region, but as I said, nationally. You hear about it all the time, the opioid epidemic, the opioid crisis. So we'll probably be running some PSAs about this topic in the near future. Because it's one of those things that it's on everybody's mind and it's not to be realistic about it. It's not going to go away anytime soon. So that's a kind of an overview of some of the things that front page topics from this week's edition of The Booster. Be sure to check out this edition of The Booster for 75 cents. You know, three quarters. I mean, that's a bargain, you know, no matter how you slice it. And you'll get also updates of countywide sports teams and what they're doing and their schedules. And every week lately, we've been highlighting a different team from somewhere in the county. This week, we gave a salute to the mighty Woodville Eagles football teams, both the JV and varsity teams. So be sure to check that out. And also, as a special treat, um, we have our latest edition of the East Texan Magazine. The fall issue is inside of the Tyler County Booster this week. So be sure to pick up a paper and check out our magazine. We put it out every quarter, and there's a lot of Booster staff members who contributed to the magazine. And I'm not just saying this because I wrote a couple pieces, and there's a lot of cool stuff in it. And Jim Powers, our, our great photographer, webmaster, our gem of all trades, I've called him before, he has some really cool photos in the magazine. And one of his photos actually taken at last year's county fair graces the cover of it. And I think it's probably my favorite one of the covers so far. It's, it's really colorful and really cool. So be sure and check that out. And it's also available online too. And you can like the uh, East Texan Facebook page as well. Be sure to check that out. And with all of that in mind, I will bid you all farewell for this week's edition of the East Texas News Roundup. Remember, if you're down in Tyler County, be sure to check out the Tyler County Fair this weekend and have a great weekend, y'all. Thanks for listening. In Trinity County this week, the city of Groveton approved its budget for the 2019-2020 fiscal year, which began October 1st. The budget allots for nearly 600000 for general fund, nearly 800000 for utility fund, 110000 for streets and bridges, 2000 for the airport, 29700 for fire and health, 85600 for general administration, 23500 for the library, and 98000 for non-departmental, and two hundred ten. 
10000 for police and courts. They also adopted the tax rate for the fiscal year, which is $0.95.97 cents per $100 valuation. Speaking of budgets, Trinity County also approved its budget for the 2019-2020 fiscal year. The county budget is $9.6 million, and the tax rate for the county is $0.65 cents per $100 valuation. Doug Page, Trinity County judge, breathed a huge sigh of relief when the budget, which took two and a half months to discuss among county officials to approve. And now that it's approved, they can move on. And now switching gears to education. Trinity ISD held a public hearing on its star test results. The district received a D, which was a passing grade. Lansbury Elementary School received a C. Trinity High School received a D, both of which passed. However, the middle school received an F. The main focus of this public hearing was on the test scores and what needs to be done to improve the test scores. On a bright note, a pair of Lansbury Elementary students, who are now fourth graders, Felix Shavaria and Richard Stowe each recorded perfect scores on their third grade star test last May. They were recognized at the Trinity ISD school board meeting two weeks ago. Trinity ISD also approved board members Monty Huffman and Rudy Wilkerson to serve on the Trinity County Appraisal Board. And they renewed their contract with the Walsh Gallegos Law Firm. And speaking of the city of Trinity, we've got a beautiful centerpiece photo package from Thomas Hastings on the 70th annual Trinity Community Fair. The motto this year was Raising Champions. And the photos that Thomas took are of the parade. So check that out. And Doug Page, who was previously mentioned in the Trinity County budget story, wrote a letter from the judge's desk about the state of the county. And he is excited about the community growth throughout the county. And according to Judge Page, there are new homes being built from Apple Springs to Sebastopol. And while he's happy to see new homes coming up, he would like to see more businesses come to Trinity County. And Groveton ISC at its meeting two weeks ago, decided to increase pay for substitute teachers. Previously, substitute teachers with high school diplomas received $50 per day worked. Substitutes with associate's degrees received $60 per day worked. And substitutes with bachelor degrees received $75 per day worked. The pay has gone up $25 for each level of education, so now high school diploma subs will receive $75 a day. Associate degrees degree subs $85 a day, and bachelor degree subs $100 a day. Groveton ISD also approved its annual contract with the Lufkin Day School for the Deaf in the event that they have a student who needs services through the School for the Deaf. And a big shout out to the Groveton Indians who went to Centerville last week and um, sent the homecoming crowd at Centerville home very upset. The Indians ran past the Tigers 54-7. to And Apple Springs traveled to Tyler and picked up a huge win over King's Academy. The score was 64 to 14 and the game was called in the second half because of the 45 point mercy rule. The Trinity Tigers were not as fortunate. They came up short by the score of 45-0 against the Crockett Bulldogs who are in our sister county Houston County. The Tigers will be in another sister county San Jacinto this Friday as they take on the Cold Spring Oakhurst Trojans. Both teams are vying for their first win in District 11-3A Division I play. The Groveton Indians are off this week and they will take the field again October 11th when they host West Sabine. The game will not only be the district opener for both
with Groveton and West Sabine. It'll also be Groveton's homecoming game. Apple Springs hosts its homecoming game this Friday when they entertain Fort Worth Thesa. Kickoff for Apple Springs and Thesa is at 7 p.m. Kickoff for Trinity and Cold Spring Oakhurst is 7.30. Hey folks, this is Valerie Riddell, editor of the Polk County Enterprise and the San Jacinto News Times. We're going to give you a quick update of what's been going on over in San Jacinto County. They had the historical reenaction where each year someone gets hung and someone gets married. So this year they staged the hanging of Three-Eyed McNaught. He was guilty of such grievous offenses as killing chickens and goats for satanic purposes, marking his body in contrary to the teachings of the good book, and forecasting the weather. So it's a event that kind of looks at a darker phase of history with a light touch. And each year, Dale Everett also shares some facts about hanging, how it was used in East Texas as capital punishment, and some sad facts about extrajudicial hangings, otherwise known as lynchings. Also in San Jacinto County, the Sheriff's Department has reported that a 62-year-old Porter woman had been reported missing on September 17th, and she was found alive in a heavily wooded area in Cold Spring on last Friday, September 27th. They said she had been surviving on creek water and living off of minnows and frogs, according to her statement to investigators. EMS did take her to the hospital for treatment, but it appears she's going to survive without any long-term effects. Investigators are also continuing their look into the murder of Kirk Buick. His body was found in a barrel in the Cherry Creek Road area of Shepherd. He had also been missing for several months. Two men were taken into custody in connection with discovery of his body. Jack Wayne Gonzalez and Matthew David Greenwood are charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Detective Gary Sharpen says that additional charges for the murder are likely. They did conduct an autopsy last week and determined that he died of blood or trauma and that his death was a homicide. The Texas Ranger Ryan Clendenin did execute a search warrant at that location on August the 29th and collected some evidence but he didn't describe what that was. They had to go back with some heavy equipment that would enable them to dig through concrete and tree roots, and that's when they discovered the barrel in Mr. Buick's body. The Cold Spring Trojans opened their district play with a loss. They took on the Franklin Lions, who were ranked number seven in the state. And Franklin won that game 42 to nothing. So this week, the Trojans will be taking on Trinity. And Trinity is 0-5 overall. And they had already lost their opening district game to Crockett 45 to nothing. Shepard beat Shelbyville in a battle of the Pirates last week, 14-7. to Mike Robinson said that it still left a lot of points out on the field. And he addressed that in practice this week so that this week's game ought to be exciting. Over in Polk County, folks gathered at the Polk County Commerce Center for a sports bingo fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Club. I know Vicki Johnson managed to take home a unlocked Google Pixel phone. If you're a fan of gadgets, there was plenty of prizes. People got to take home some cool electronics. There were lots of autographed sports jerseys that went up on the auction block with former Mayor Clark Evans taking bids. A lot of great stuff in the silent auction. And ultimately, all those proceeds go to a great project to make sure that our youth in the Livingston area have a safe place to go after school and helps them spend those after-school hours productively. Uh, Boys and Girls Club has 
has some educational programs that help kids develop leadership. They help them get their schoolwork done. They feed them dinner. So it really does help for once time when parents pick those kids up, they have got all their schoolwork done and are fed and it sets everything. Those hours at home that the family has together can be a lot less stressful. Corgan Camden ISD has approved the purchase of a new activity bus that will be used to transport smaller teams to events. It's supposed to be more fuel efficient. It's a 14 passenger bus they purchased for $57,500. They re-nominated Sean Burke's Corgan area to serve on the Polk County Tax Appraisal District Board. The Corgan City Council opted into a absconder program with the Texas Department of Public Safety. So that gives them a little more teeth. If folks don't pay their ticket, it will not allow a motorist to renew their driver's license if they have an outstanding ticket. So if you've been skating on that ticket in Corrigan, you might want to get up there and pay it before your license is up for renewal. They discussed a contract with Centerpoint Energy that the and the franchise rate that generates just under $5,000 a year for the city. And the new agreement uh, bumps that uh, the city share up to 5% up from 2%, which has been generating that $4,800. So now it ought to effectively double that. Angelina College got a nice donation from Georgia Pacific that will be used to purchase equipment for some of their vocational programs. And that's a kind of a win-win for Georgia Pacific and the school. It helps the students spend their time at the college getting ready for a career that will help them support their family. And it helps Georgia Pacific generate a trained workforce. On Saturday, there's a giant adoption event at SPCA. So if you need a good furry member of your family, check out the Polk County SPCA on Highway 146. Lots of club activities. We've got a full page report on the Onalaska Wildcats and what's going on in their district. Brian's got a interview with the new coach at Leggett Basketball Program. Sean Edwards has just joined the staff out there. Mr. Edwards says he's going to focus on conditioning and a half-court defense. He says the main thing is just to take care of the ball. I like to play a little more man-to-man defense, but we'll do a little more of the zone and match it up with the principles of that man-to-man. There's all kinds of news from our outdoor correspondent, Matt Williams, about the drawing for the big-time Texas hunts and where the fish are biting. And he's got a little news about a 10.6-pound bass taking the top prize at Lake Fork at a recent tournament. On last Sunday, we showed a picture of the latest homecoming king and queen for Livingston High School, Giovanni Olivares and Taylor Blancet were crowned the homecoming king and queen at Lions Stadium last Friday, and that came along with a big win for the Lions. So great night out there on the field for all the Lions and former students. We've got the details on a Leggett fire at the Santex landfill that caused nearly a million dollars in damage. The 826,000 compactor was destroyed in the fire, but fortunately there were no injuries. They also lost a tractor and a 500 gallon fuel tank but all in all everybody came out okay that's kind of a brief roundup of what's been going on check out the latest edition for the community calendar and all the activities that are going on it's turning out to be a busy fall and you don't want to miss out on the fun be safe be nice to each other and we'll see you next week bye-bye hello everyone this is alton porter reporter for the houston county courier use the ladies from houston county that's covered in this week's courier the voice of Houston County since 1890. We lead off on the front page with a story on the bright, fun side. Our lead story is about the winners of the 83rd World Championship Fiddlers Festival, which was held in Crockett last Saturday, September 28th. 
Carl Hopkins of Porter was the winner for the seventh time of this prestigious World Championship Division, or what is called the Open Division at the festival. He took home the championship prize of $1,000, and his name is again being engraved on the festival's championship trophy, which is kept in Crockett by the festival's planning committee. Coming in second in the World Championship Division was last year's champion, Ridge Roberts of Granbury. The third place finisher in this division was Wes Westmoreland of Temple, who also has been selected as World Champion Fiddler seven times by panels of three festival judges, who themselves are fiddle music greats. Winning this year's festival senior division was Brad Riley of Waller, while Tanner Marriott of Ava, Missouri won the youth or junior division. Anthony Mature of New Waverly was winner of the accompanist competition for guitar players. The oldest fiddler to compete at the festival this year was Ed Henson, who is 85, and he's of Decatur. The youngest fiddler for the competition was six-year-old Evie Hendrick of Pollock. Recognized at the festival for helping make Texas fiddling great again were members of the Morris family of fiddlers, and those three are Terry Morris, posthumously, and Kenneth Morris, and Dale Morris. The festival was a fun event, and it was hugely successful, according to coordinator Paul Stringer. Now, our next page 1A story was about the Courier's hosting of the Crockett Area Chamber of Commerce mid-morning coffee gathering at the Crockett Civic Center. At the gathering, which was Thursday, September 26th, Courier Managing Editor Tony Browning and Marketing Staff Members Sherry Driscoll and Ashley Bankhead had the opportunity to share information about the paper and some of its upcoming events with the Mid-Morning Coffee attendees. Also presenting information about their upcoming events and other activities were Board of Directors Chairperson Leanne Henson of the Chamber, Grapeland Urgent Care Chief Financial Officer Dick McNary, Executive Director James Gentry of the Crockett Economic and Industrial Development Corporation, Chief Appraiser Kerry Mentor of the Houston County Appraisal District, Executive Director Angela Cross of Kalen Center, Material Management Staff Manager Jennifer Byrne, and Human Resources Coordinator Ashley Ball of the Crockett Medical Center, as well as Elegant Embroideries owner Bonita Carpenter. Now, in addition, on the front page, we have a story about the Crockett Independent School District Board of Trustees meeting earlier this week, which was held Monday, September the 30th. At this meeting, among other things, the CISD trustees approved 2018-2020 goals and objectives for the district, as well as targeted improvement plans for the district's elementary and junior high schools. These were presented by Superintendent Terry Myers and Assistant Superintendent John Emery. One of the other agenda action items the trustees addressed was to appoint nine adults and four students to serve as members of the district's shack that is, the district's School Health Advisory Council. Another front-page story concerns the closing of CHI St. Luke's Crockett Urgent Care Facility when CHI St. Luke's Health Memorial and Baylor St. Luke's Medical Group initially entered the Crockett market within the last year, the facility's executives and staff were encouraged by community leaders, local residents, and members of the healthcare community that they would be able to make a significant contribution by helping to fill the void left by the closing of the hospital here in Crockett. Now that the hospital has reopened, there was a duplication of urgent care services. As a result, after much consideration, CHI St. Luke's Crockett Urgent Care Services in Crockett are being dropped, even though some of the providers' services such as cardiology, primary care, and general surgery 
will remain operational. Now also on page 1A, we have a huge photo and lead in to a story on page 2A about National Newspaper Week, which is next week, Sunday through Saturday, October 6th through 12th. Uh, the story emphasizes the importance of the five freedoms outlined in the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment. Those freedoms are freedom of speech, religion, and of the press, freedom to peaceably assemble, and freedom to petition the government. The story notes that news media are the first and most effective means of exercising those five freedoms, which are part of the bedrock of our American democracy. News media have made our democracy stronger, our citizenry more informed and engaged, and our constitutional rights more secure and strong. There's much more news in the, and features in the Section A of this week's Korea, so pick up a copy. The paper only costs 75 cents and check out all the stories that are in the paper for this week. Turning to the B section of the paper for this week, uh, sports editor Larry Lamb has the section chock full of stories about recent athletic events in Houston County. First is football news. Larry has stories beginning on page 1B about all three of the county's teams which were victorious in their games last Friday, September the 27th. The Crockett Bulldogs steamrolled the Trinity Tigers in their district grid opener. Now coming off a district bye week, the Crockett gridmen showed no signs of rust, scoring 45 points and preventing the Trinity team from scoring any points at all. And the game was on Trinity's home turf. Way to go, Bulldogs. The Bulldogs will face uh, off against the Dieball Lumberjacks in a showdown at Money Jack Driscoll Stadium in Crockett this Friday night, October 4th. The Bulldogs have three wins and one loss so far this season, and the Lumberjacks, who are coming off a bye week, come into Friday night's district clash, boasting a four wins, no loss record, and a number eight uh, state ranking. Now, Bulldogs fans are encouraged to pack the jack. That is the Money Jack Driscoll Stadium. So, so pack in there, Bulldog fans, uh, for this matchup. It should be a good game. On to the Grapeland Sandys. They cruised past the Everdale Rebels in a highly anticipated district matchup. There turned out to be a mismatch uh, last Friday, September 27th. The number five state-ranked Sandys handled the Rebels 49-12 to on the road in their District 12 to a District Division 2 game op district opener. Kudos to the Sandys. This week, October 4th, the Sandys will be at home against the Burkeville Mustangs. Now, how about those Love Lady Lions? Last Thursday, September 26th, on the road, they trampled the Burkeville Mustangs. The score was Love 8059, Burkeville 12. This week, Friday, October 4th, at their homecoming, the Lions will face off against the Commonwealth Bulldogs. There's much more news in the paper, which also contains a copy of the latest edition of the Polk County Publishing Company's East Texan Magazine. So be sure to pick up a copy of the Thursday, October 3rd, Houston County Courier, if you aren't already a subscriber. It only costs 75 cents per copy. Now, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.